0: Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. Growing the Game with Ballsy brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics above Gabbo's on Dudney Avenue. You've turned over a new leaf. You're looking after that body. Well, how about freshening up your look in a naturally looking way with Crescendo over there at Face First Medical Aesthetics above Gabos on Doodney Avenue in downtown Regina. By Pizza Hudson, Saskatchewan, and David Dubé in the Concord Group of Companies, congratulations to Mr. Dubé. He was given the Order of Canada recently. Much deserved honor for his philanthropist efforts across Canada, including his support of amateur football. He has been a big supporter of this podcast and amateur football, helping to grow the sport at the grassroots level. By Mark Greshner Photography, check out his awesome work at markgreshner.com. He did some work for me, and I'm loving the pictures that I handed out at Christmas, courtesy of Mark Greshner. By our friends over there in Radville, Paul Riviere and his great family, Riviere Ag Seeds. Southern Saskatchewan's premium certified seed grower, delivering homegrown certified Durham yellow peas and chickpeas. By Paul Waldo at Royal Page, getting the real estate game with a three-time Great Cup champion. Paul's a good dude. Give him a call. 306-502-5355. Let's kick off this podcast, installment 235, with our Where Are They Now feature, brought to you by Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, check out Corey Zadarozniak. Give him a call at Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. And one of his favorite players in Saskatchewan Rough Rider history, he likes Bobby Jerison, but how about another rush end? Number ninety-seven in your program, number one in your heart. Former CFL and NFLer John Chick. Okay, so uh, John, tell us what you're doing now uh, in Florida. I've been thinking about you lately. What do you? How, how has the transition been away from? From football, I remember I worked out with you at LG Fitness one day there, and last time I was with you, I was pushing a sled. I'm not even kidding, Zinger. I was pushing a sled on the street in May, and then we'd get to the end of the 20-yard or whatever it was, and then we'd throw this big medicine ball back the other way, and then, oh, it was just... Come on, right? Yeah, I was like 43, then I'm like, what is going on? Why am I doing this? But, the Chick, are you still in the fitness business? What are you doing?
1: Yes, I am. I am in fitness. I am in personal training. I am in some online coaching, life coaching. Uh, I do a lot of sports performance. So I uh, just got back here with a group uh, of D linemen. So uh, still keeping keeping a little bit in football. And uh, got somebody showing up here in about twenty minutes. And you know that's uh, that that's that's what I do, man. I I'm about Building people for the kingdom.
0: Yeah, so who? What I'm
1: doing. So kingdom who? Yes,
0: yeah, so who is your? So who is your biggest influence in the football world from a coaching perspective? Who was that guy for you or girl for you? Who who directed you in your football life?
1: Oh, you know it. It was my faith. Uh, you know, young, it was my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, watched football and, and was motivated that way. I didn't really ever have an idol, I, I guess, John Elway. And, and then, <laughs> you know, that, that, that was, uh, growing up in Wyoming, you were a Broncos fan. And yeah. so I, I, I looked at John Elway and I decided, well, you know, I wasn't ever coached to play quarterback. So I'll kill quarterbacks. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, outside of that, you know, I had my, my, uh, High school coach uh my yeah my high school coach was a college guy who who coached like a college program had that mindset and and from that it was just you know I, I did I was fortunate with good mentors my college uh D-line coach same same thing he just was uh you know he was relentless and, and in, a, in a good way always expected the most out of you and I expected the most out of myself so we uh, we went hand in hand that way, and I yeah. was a um, a four year starter. Kind of was a captain as a freshman, and that was the mentality I always had. I wasn't about making friends, and I didn't make you know. I like to think I have friends, but honestly, I I, I wasn't there to make friends. I was there to take your job. So, but okay, <laughs> and that was my mindset. okay,
0: okay. So let me stop that. So how do you reconcile that? Because one of my favorite football players to watch, and one of the guys I like because I like him as a human being is Phillip Rivers, who I was a Chargers fan. Now I'm kind of, I still like the Chargers, but I'm cheering for the Colts. Just because he's a, he, I mean, he has a lot of kids like you, but he's a. he married his high school sweetheart. He's a nice guy. He doesn't curse on the field. But this is a, this can be a dirty game and a dirty business. So how do you reconcile that, John Chick? How do you go into the mindset, like, I'm going to take your job. I'm going to, your words, not mine, kill quarterbacks, would still be a man of deep faith and Christian. How, how do you flip the switch?
1: Well, it's, it's a game we all know what the rules are and we all sign up for. Uh, so you, you, you start it because you love it. You, you, you love playing and, and you find out what you're good, what you're, what you're passionate about, where your talents lie, and that's, you know, it's, it's being a good steward. God, right, to, to the one he gave five talents, he expected five talents back. The one he gave two talents, two talents, two more talents back. The one who got one, what did he do?
0: Buried it. He wouldn't
1: buried his talent.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He
1: buried that talent. Yeah. So whatever I was given, I was I always expected that, well, I, I better give it my all with what he gave me and uh and so that's how you reconcile. When, it's did, you, war, when, when right? did I mean it's, yeah. it's not really it's not really war, but that's what I was gifted. Uh that's where my path took me. Mm-hmm. And uh it involved um pain, it involved sacrifice, it involved all that, but everyone knew that getting into it. So did you, it wasn't like I was doing anything.
0: Did you regret, do you regret playing football? Like with the injuries you've had or, or do you regret any of your decisions in football?
1: I do not. Nope. Um, you know, I uh, try to raise my kids with more of a viewpoint of other options. And I, you know, I have some that, I can tell our hard, it don't matter. They're going to find a way to play sports. they got some that are um, probably going to go as much the opposite way as they can. And, and, uh, and you know, we just try to teach them to be the, the best kids they can. And, and no matter what it is that they pursue, that they should expect that of themselves uh, with that same perspective on talent, uh, what you're given is, is what you owe.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, I get into a lot of debates. Now, the game has changed from when you played, and it's not like you played 30 years ago, but the game has changed. But the debate still stays the same with a lot of people up here. They're, they can't be a CFL or an NFL guy. They gotta be an NFL snob, or they don't watch the NFL. Uh, they love the CFL. They can't like both, for whatever reason. I don't get it. And I especially don't get the NFL snobs. You don't live in the NFL. You don't live in the States. You live in Canada. But Here's my question to you. You played both. Is there is there much of a difference, at least when you played, is there much of a difference between the NFL and the CFL?
1: Uh, it's, it's yes and no. You know, um, I don't know if you ever watched or read the book Playing for Pizza. God, I think I might have been a John Grisham. Highly recommend it to all your viewers, Playing for Pizza.
0: Okay. This...
1: Um, not saying that's what the CFL is, but it is a purer form because people are still just diehard about playing football. And you know our political uh, uh, temperature in the world today and how it has been evolving that way for the last 10 years. Somebody gets paid, and here's the problem with the NFL. You're an unproven rookie. Guess what? I got paid. I ain't doing crap. And you see that all day, every day. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in the CFL because ain't nobody getting paid like that, that that they're gonna just be able to retire on what they got. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, shifted a little bit, you know, when they uh, brought a salary cap to the uh, the the draftees, but it's still that is a broken system. Yeah. Uh, both games, from a pure standpoint, oh, there's the, both games are awesome and they're. Very great and unique for what they are. Uh, you know, there's more of a run game in the NFL. It just is. You got, you know, your, you got a football that is your line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you got a lot more beef on the line of scrimmage. Uh, that just is. Um, the, you know, the passing game is very unique in the CFL. Uh, from my position standpoint, it was harder to sack the quarterback in the Canadian Football League than it is in the National
0: Football League. You gotta be is, Do you got to be better athlete? Do you got to be a better athlete on the defensive line in the CFL as opposed to the NFL? Um, I don't know.
1: That's the w- word. Um, it's just advantage quarterback. So it is. It is harder. Uh, it's advantage O line. Mm-hmm. It is harder. That's uh, you know that that is just my experience. I can get off the ball. You know, if I have a great get off in the NFL, I'm already yeah. In the offensive tackle's back hip pocket, yeah, he can't recover. Where when I doesn't matter how good my get off that that offensive tackle's already between me and the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I, so that just you know that just is. Who did you like going up against? Who did you really enjoy going up against? Either in practice or on a on a you know you're going into a game that week. You're like, oh yeah, I get to go against this guy <laughs> from the Bombers or from Calgary.
1: You're challenging my memory now already, right? <laughs> I played football 12 years, man. Um, oh, my gosh. Names. Um, I would have to do some thinking.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: I'll just tell you the type of guy I like setting against was somebody that was going to give me their hands. Uh, you know, the, the more patient guys that could sit back and, and, and hold their punch um, were someone I struggled with more. Someone was going to come and attack me. That was the guy I looked forward to because I had something for for this or that, um, you know, develop a skill. Now that changed over years. You know, when I first came into the league and uh the Canadian League there I was a bull rush guy mm-hmm. because that's what I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I knew how to get off the ball, I knew how to go full speed, I and it took a while to develop those skills. So, um, it evolved over the years and I would have probably preferred that catcher early on because man my I was just all go bull all go bull mm-hmm. you know and uh as you as you get older you get a little wiser and you figure well I can't do that 65 plays in a row <laughs>
0: yeah do you remember last time the riders were supposed to host the gray cup here 2020 obviously didn't happen because of the pandemic but 2013 john chick was a part of a championship uh, night uh, a night to remember do you remember what do you remember most about that night
1: I remember two sacks. I remember a forced fumble. I remember uh, green and white everywhere. I remember unbelievable weather. I remember an unbelievable day preparation week. I remember confetti. I remember celebration. Um, just pure joy. I was uh, uh, my wife and two oldest had just uh, flown up. Uh, you know that week, and my folks from Wyoming had come up as well, uh, so they were all at the game. You know those things I remember, and just you know it was expectation, and it was one of those things where your confidence, your what you willed on somebody,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was Im- was imposed on them from really the beginning of the week, but from the start of that game, even beforehand when we came out. And weren't supposed to come out, but we just took the field. It was imposing your will on somebody. And uh, that's, that's what I love about life is you can impose your will. Uh, you can overcome. And it's not always about what you physically do. It's a mindset. And we took it to them because we knew we would. We believed we would. And it was over before it began.
0: Two more quick questions for you, John Chick, joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. I understand you don't watch sports or football that much. How does a guy who trains athletes, who mentors coaches, not really pay attention to sports that much? Besides the fact you have nine kids and other things to do, but it seems like you've right. it seems like you lost an interest in it.
1: I don't know if I ever had an interest in it. Really? I, I, really? It all, boils, it, all, it all boils down to what you just said. Or, or what I you know we just spoke about on the great cup it is all mindset mine you know I I, I I loved playing the game I never watched someone talking about themselves I never loved uh, you announcers oh thanks
0: a lot chick <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> I, you know I I don't need to hear someone's opinion on what's going on I just want to go knock a MF out you know what I'm saying yeah,
0: yeah. So, so 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 let me ask you because because uh, one of the guys just passed away Kevin Green one of the all-time sack leaders you said you grew up a John Elway fan but as you went along you knew you weren't going to be a quarterback you never paid attention to what guys like Kevin Green did or Bruce Smith or those kind of guys you just didn't it just wasn't in your in your world
1: I just never I, I watched a bunch as a kid and honestly when I got good enough to play, I just mastered, I watched film, and I watched, but I just played. When I got to college, uh, you watching a little more film, and then when I got to pros, I'm watching more film. But it was always of the opponent, and it was always in my world. I couldn't tell you the first thing about football. I watched my world, and it was, wow. you know, a 5 by 5 6 by 6 foot, you know, 6-yard space, and it was about mastering that and, and having a plan of attack, and that's what I always loved. Interesting. Um, Interesting. You know, I I do love football. I do watch film. I love the pursuit of greatness in any sport. So I love watching greats, but I cannot stand the political uh the the uh, a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I just want to show up and play. I just want to show up and play.
0: Awesome. Okay, John, last question for you. Where are they now? We talked a little bit about it. What are you doing? Where can they find your work uh, like uh, motivational speaking or anything like that?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I guess uh, why well, I'm on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram at uh, John Chick or become iron willed. Become iron willed is my brand. Okay, that's what I believe that that I can bring. It's mindset. It is uh, our fall, right? Humanity's fall is a division between will and intellect, and it's about overcoming our weakened will. With a stronger and powerful intellect that's training it, that's being prepared. So, uh, Become Iron Will is my brand. Uh, and so, you can find me on those sources. And then, my website is becomeironwill.com.
0: Love talking to you. Even though you don't love me, I love you, Chicker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I always, I do love you. Thanks, you know, buddy. I always loved you and, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, Appreciate buddy. It, T- take
0: care. Merry Christmas to you and your entire family. Uh, hope you guys are safe and you have a great time, okay?
1: Awesome. Great to hear from you.
0: Appreciate God it. Bless you. That's John Chick. Time now for the pick six brought to you by SAS Selects Football, building the gridiron stars of tomorrow today. Thanks to Zelko and his wife Deb and their continued support of this podcast. Well, number one on the pick six. The Browns are in the playoffs. Yes, the league's longest active postseason drought has ended. The Brownies are in the playoffs for the first time since 2002 after holding off the Pittsburgh Steelers who were resting Big Ben and a number of other starters. The Browns' reward? A rematch this coming Sunday in Pittsburgh. Now, Cleveland fans have been through more misery than any sports fan deserves. Because of that, It might be cruel to point out the Browns also played at the Steelers in their last playoff appearance and blew a pair of 17-point second-half leads in that game before ultimately losing to the great Tommy Maddox. (laughs) Still, an 11-win season and a playoff berth during a year in which the Steelers and Ravens are again in the postseason is big-time progress. If they had a better quarterback, I'd say they'd be dangerous. Number two in balls, pick six. Aaron Rodgers of the Packers has to be MVP, right? A lot of talk early in the season about Russell Wilson, continued talk about Patrick Mahomes, the odd Josh Allen comment, but check this out. Rodgers completed over 70% of his passes for just shy of 4,300 yards, 48 touchdowns against five interceptions, and owned a passer rating of 121.3 for the season. He had more touchdown passes, 48, than the team had punts, 46. That, that's a crazy stat. And he helped the Packers to the top seed, and for part of the season, this dude was throwing to janitors. He's the MVP, and he's got his team a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Well, I hear this all the time. Running backs are a dime a dozen, right? Well, consider this. Derek Henry breaks that mold. He rushed for 250 yards at two touchdowns on 34 carries to become the eighth player to finish a season with at least 2,000 yards rushing. Dude's a monster. He looked like Bo Jackson in the old Tecmo Bowl game. And if the Titans have a chance this weekend against the Ravens, he has to be a huge factor. If the Saints have any chance of winning a Super Bowl, Alvin Kamara has to be a factor. He might not play in their first playoff game because of COVID. So we'll see how that carries out. And how about John Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin, who was on the bench partway through the season with the Colts. In the last handful of games, he ran for over 700 yards, including a franchise record 255 yesterday in their clinching win over the Jags. So don't tell me running backs are a dime a dozen. There's three examples right there. You still need a bell cow. Number four on Ballsy's pick six, the NFC Least. In the Sunday night game, Washington beat Philly 20-14. Now Carson Wentz didn't dress. He wants to be traded. In the third, the Eagles could have tied the game with a chip shot field goal, but went for it instead analytics and whatever else yeah sports nerds are ruining sports but that's another story anyway they missed on the fourth down conversion then benched Jalen Hurts for a third string quarterback that sounds like a sleeping aid Giants fans are mad accusing the Eagles of throwing the game well they still had a lot of starters in the game yes they had a third string quarterback in the game so I could see how Giant fans would be mad consider this How about your team wins more than six games? Huh? How about that? And Eagles coach Doug Peterson only has to worry about his own team. He doesn't owe anybody any favors, especially a division rival. He might as well get a higher draft pick by losing the game. They went from nine to six in the NFL draft. I'd say that's a win for Philadelphia. Suck it, Giant fans. Number five on Ballsy's pick six, Boomer Esiason. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray hurt his leg, so former bomber Chris Strevler came in and, well, let's just say we expect to see him back in the CFL next season. He threw a short touchdown pass, but also a horrible pick six as the Rams beat the Cardinals 18-7 to clinch a playoff spot. Now with the loss, the Cards are eliminated and the Bears backed into the playoffs, even though they lost 35-16 to the Pack. Now, there's no quarterbacking depth in football anywhere, and Chris Strevler is a prime example. CFL fans realize he wasn't any good a year, but apparently that clueless fool Boomer Assisin didn't know that. After the interception, he said, What a horrific mistake by Revler! He throws it in between three Ram defenders as he's getting hit in the pocket. This isn't the Gray Cup. This isn't the CFL. You can't just take chances and throw the ball down the field and expect somebody not to come down with it. There's just no reason to throw the ball there. <laughs> well, guess what, Boomer? You can't do that very successfully in the CFL either. Oh, and you said his name wrong. It's Strevler, not Reveler. And as former BC Lions quarterback Travis Lule pointed out, Boomer was the backup on the broadcast too as he was replacing Tony Romo, who was out with COVID protocol. It wasn't all bad, though. Jim Nance did mention the Grey Cup as a beautiful trophy earlier in the broadcast. So thanks, uh, Jim and Boomer. (laughs) Did you give yourself that nickname? Yeah, Norman Esiason. Number six on Ballsy's pick six, Herbert versus Tua. As a Chargers fan, I'm happy the Dolphins took Tua not Justin Herbert. One guy is the rookie of the year. The other is Tua. Now, with the Dolphins needing to win, Tonga Vailoa had his worst game at the worst possible time. By halftime, Miami was down 28-6, and Tua was averaging just 4.7 yards per attempt. In the second half, he threw three INTs. Now, after watching Justin Fields of Ohio State play the other night, I'm not so sure the Finns shouldn't draft him at number three if he's still on the board or make a trade for a Darnold or a Stafford or a Wentz. To me, two is no better than Tim Tebow Light. And what the heck, let's do an extra point. And for it, let's talk bonuses. In the third quarter of the Saints' demolition of the Panthers, receiver Emmanuel Sanders caught a nine-yard pass across the middle, looked around after securing the ball, and threw both his arms up in celebration. Now, he wasn't celebrating a first down and a blowout. The reception, his eighth of the game and 60th of the season, triggered a $500,000 bonus in his contract. Felt great, Sanders said with a big smile after the game. Sanders was one of several players chasing instead of bonuses in the final day of the regular season. Drew Brees admitted he was trying to get Sanders to 60 receptions. Buccaneers receiver Antonio Brown, who is an idiot, had a $250,000 incentive on the line. He entered Sunday's game against the Falcons, nine catches short of 45, and by the fourth quarter, the Bucs were engineering shovel passes to get him the necessary touches. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson said at the end of the 26-23 win over the 49ers, he changed the play with 22 seconds left. He wanted to get David Moore a reception, and he got him that reception and a $100,000 bonus. Now, I think most players' contracts should be bonus-based instead of a guarantee. NFL players, football players deserve more guaranteed money than other professional sports because, let's face it, it's a high-impact very violent, short lifespan in terms of that sport for the athlete. But I do think bonuses in general, a more incentive laden contract, will make the guys play harder more often. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsey can be heard weekdays in Regina on one hundred four point nine The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on six twenty CKRM.